conversations on people's beliefs, why they believe, and how it shapes their life. This, this is Crosscheck. Is Crosscheck. Hello, I'm Tim Wong C. Welcome to this episode of Crosscheck, where I talk to somebody who, like me, has worked in radio since he was young. His name is Luke Holtz, and he is half of the husband and wife radio duo that is the Luke and Susie Show. It's a national show sent out to 18 radio stations every week. It hasn't always been like that, though. Rewind to where he grew up in Toowoomba. He was pretty rebellious, and people knew about it, too. There was this guy who was I was managing in that job, and he said, I was overhearing this conversation with these two kids behind me, and they mentioned your name. One of them said, oh, Luke, Luke, hold up. And the other one said, oh, I think he's in jail. Yeah, and no the other way. One, oh, yeah, yeah. What have you and, been doing, mate? Well, well that was just, it was just where everyone assumed I was going to end up. Susie first started doing radio with Luke when she was working as the PA for a program director for a radio station in Melbourne. Luke was the current host of The Breakfast Show and the show needed a co-host and you'll hear how Susie fitted into that role. She ended up leaving when their son Tyson was born, but kids did not come easily to them. They struggled a lot with pregnancy and you'll hear about that struggle and even their uncertainty on whether to share this struggle on the air with the listeners. It was natural in this pre-recorded interview. We recorded on Friday, and it naturally came out, our story of struggling to have kids. We had the whole weekend to go, we can scrap it, we can cancel it. It doesn't have to go to air. <laughs> and we were agonising over it. You'll hear more of that in a sec. Let's get into this chat right now. This is Luke Holt. Luke, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Tim. So you were born in, in Toowoomba in 1977. Yeah. What memories do you have of Toowoomba? You said you moved there when you were three years old. Um, yeah. Any memories of, of growing up there? Uh, the the T-Bar. The T-Bar, yeah. I'm not authorised to say it, but you yeah, are. That's there. right. It's, <laughs> look, it's a, it's a beautiful place. So one of the things that it, it had become famous for was the Carnival of Flowers. The gardens, oh my goodness. It is the prestigious thing to enter your flowers into the Carnival of Flowers. Right. And so people would, would create floats and be marching down the, the street of Toowoomba for the Carnival of Flower launch. And you, oh, it was a big deal. And you'd stand there and you'd wave. So it's like the... Mardi Gras. It's colourful and everything, but it's flowers and old ladies. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like that, that's, that's, I've never heard it explained right. like that. It's but... kind of similar, but also very different in so many ways. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, that my nena, yeah. if, if she was alive, would, would have a coronary right there, yeah. the way you described the Carnival of Flowers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it, it was, it was, it's a beautiful, visually beautiful and and we yeah. grew up outside the the gates of the Japanese gardens, which is where the university was. It was just this beautiful scenery, and we just had you know wonderful people in our world, and it was just a it was a great great space. On the flip side of the coin, though, you did have quite a rough upbringing, and and your family situation is um, needs to be explained a few times yeah. to to fully understand it. Perhaps even for yourself, Luke, would you yeah. say? So, Mum battled with agoraphobia, uh, which is you know she was fearful of going outside of the house. She had a lot of emotional and mental health challenges. So, from a very young age, Mum just didn't leave the house. Dad was an interstate truck driver, so he could be away for a couple of weeks at a time. Um, you know, my brother had some challenges, and he went off to juvie when he was very young and one of my 
one of my oldest memories was um, the day he was being shipped off to jail. And I remember him screaming and, and being upset. And I was sitting in the corner of the room in sort of a, almost a fetal position rocking because I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what jail was. And I remember him saying, what about my little brother? What about my little brother? And the response came back, well, you should have thought about that before you did what you did. And, oh, God. And, and that I don't remember – that's what I remember, that moment and just the emotion of that. It's never left me, that scene. And um, so he, he took off when I was um, very young and he was locked up and in and out. He spent more than half of his life behind bars. Mum, who was battling with agoraphobia, she we stopped off. And I remember it was eight minutes past eight on a Sunday night. Um, we stopped off at a, at a pharmacy to pick up something and she sent me and my little sister in because she wasn't going you know, out of the car. And we go into the pharmacy, eight minutes past eight, two guys with sawn-off shotguns and balaclavas run in and point the gun at our head and, and they're, they're robbing the pharmacy. How old were you at this time? So I, I was – so she was six – so I must have been 12 or 13. 12 or 13 uh, years old, you had a shotgun pointed yeah, at your head. Yeah. Again, so middle class, normal, you know, right side of the tracks family. Yeah. And we have a shotgun at our head. So you left school in 1994, and then 1996, you started studying at Bible College, yeah. which is in Kenmore in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, what urged you to go to Bible College? Uh I kind of got fed up with my mates just ragging on me for stuff that that I that I hadn't done or that they thought I should do, and um, and I just I just kind of I'm kind of over that, and so I stopped hanging out and stopped calling them, and then I had nothing better to do. When mum and dad went to church, I kind of went, oh, I have no excuses to to not go. Yeah. I had no one moment where suddenly I I came to faith, and over a course of a couple of months, I went from um, smoking, swearing, drinking, partying breaking in the cars to sitting down at my lunch break reading the Bible and I just couldn't get enough of of this and it was it was changing me inside. It was like you think of I was using the Bible like anybody would a, a novel where when they had time to, to relax they would open it up and they would they would read and that's just what I was doing and during my lunch break I just took it and just went because I had 40 minutes where I sat down by myself and so I just I just read and I felt I was feeling better because I was reading it. And I just knew that I just wanted more of that. And so it just gradually changed. The reason I went to Bible college was because this girl who I'd initially you know, sort of gone, oh, she's all right. And we, we'd had a friendship. Um, but she was interested in going to study ministry. And there was this open day for Kemmore Christian College. And she didn't want to go alone. So oh, she said, you so will, you, will you come with me? Yeah. And so I went there just to support her. She walked away going, oh, no, not really. <laughs> oh, man. But something hit me. So 1999, you graduated Bible college, and then you started uh, working at a church in Toowoomba. Yeah. Um, and while you were there, you paint this uh, uh, image, in my mind anyway, you're listening to the Christian radio station in Toowoomba, yeah. uh, which was called The Light FM, and it was a bit... Daggy to you? Was it a bit weird? I I can't remember specifically what it was, but it did not connect with an entertainment bone in my body. I kind of grasped the music was all over the place. There was no consistency in the brand. It certainly wasn't. It never, you know, the announcers were were scattered and loose and didn't say a whole lot. There was no training. It was a community radio station. And I understand all the reasons behind. They were playing CDs and sometimes they'd hit the wrong button. And so when I when I first decided to, to go volunteer, it was because I had, again, whinged and turned off the Christian station. And I felt God say to me, at least they're trying. What are you doing? And so I went down and said, look, I have no idea what I can do. 
I, I preach, so which means I can talk. Um, but I filled out a form and said, um, you know, if there's anything I can help out with. It took a couple of weeks before they responded, and they said it was basically, and I'm paraphrasing the situation here, but pretty much it was, well, good luck next week. And then I had the Thursday night slot. Yeah, right. And, and you created was, your show called Chuppa Time. Chuppa Time. Chuppa Time. Yeah, it was the most ridiculous thing because <laughs> I played Super League indoor cricket, and um, the team colors were gre- like a bright red and a bright green. And so every game... I would change the pattern <laughs> on my head. So someone was sitting at the back of the net watching me play guard. His head looks like a half-sucked chuppa-chup. Yeah, that's what I was, and I was thinking. It was some relation to the lollipop. And that's and that's where the name, yeah. someone thought it was hilarious. And they yeah. went, hey, chuppa, yeah. hey, chuppa. And uh, so it stuck. So that for years at the cricket centre, nobody knew my name was Luke. <laughs> it was just somebody said something about that's Luke hilarious. and they went like, who the heck are you talking yeah. about? Chuppa. Yeah. Oh. And then you moved on to, is it the Voice International is what they called it back then? Voice International at the time, which became CVC. And a brief rundown of the Voice International and and the work you were doing there? We had three radio stations at the time. One was in Indonesian, one was in Mandarin, and one was in English. Um, So I was filling in initially, and then they just, after that period, they went, well, they just made up a job to keep me. Um, And they went, all right, let's create a job. And they created the job, and they went, you like sport, don't you? I said, yeah. And they go, well, let's do a sports program. So for three years... Like, like I went. I was at the SCG in the press box for India versus Australia. I travelled to India. I was at the Indian Cricket Academy. I had lunch with Javagal Srinath, which for most Australians means nothing. But if you're an Indian cricket fan, one of the best Indian fast bowlers of all time, we just hung out at uh, the cricket ground. And I did it for faith. Like, I was serving Jesus and watching sport yeah, at the yeah, same time. Yeah. It was beautiful. How do you combine that over the airwaves, though? The only way is if... If what I'm thinking and feeling is it's natural, then then faith combines in with it. So I remember I had an interview with uh, uh, this this cricket expert on the show, and on the back of that we asked a trivia question, and the guy who SMSed in SMSed in the correct answer and said it's quite fascinating. I love listening to your show. It talks about sport and, and stuff in a way that I love, but it just, it's just so interesting how naturally faith is incorporated into it and it really makes me think and so on the back of that message we start i called him up and said hey congratulations you've won and we had a bit of a a chat and on that phone call he gave his life to god and became a christian (laughs) oh man it was it was this eye-opener to a couple of things one when you're authentic um the the impact that you can have is huge Um, and two there is always side effects to serving in your faith and he was a side effect so Phil Gray, the program director at The Voice International, he, uh, long story short, ends up getting you a gig at Light FM, which yep. is the Christian radio station in Melbourne. Yeah. You were doing the breakfast show on Light FM with, uh, was it Lucy at the time? Was that- Well, so Lucy came after Susie. Um, right. So I was doing it. I was doing it solo for the first little bit, and it had been suggested by a few people when we were recruiting, you and Susie together would be excellent. And I mean, I'm not... I'm actually not putting her forward. I'm not suggesting her at the at the recruiting process. I'm actually not advocating for this. I, I thought she was amazing. I thought they were right, but I was really conscious to, to not be the one to put her forward. So I never continued any of those conversations until the, the GM sat me down and said, the greater good of the station is that she goes into this brickie role and it's more right. important for her to be there than it is for me to have her as my PA. Um, but it was, it was a hard struggle because we were losing pregnancies while she was – doing the show with me. And I'm guessing that part of that played out on air? Well, we never know because at that point, um, initially, we we weren't even talking to our family about it because it was just – it had been so much 
it's such a difficult thing, and you get sick of talking about it. Um, yeah. When people sort of, all, well, how's it going? Or mm. they, they try and encourage you, well, oh, it'll happen, and you know, mm. just don't stop worrying about it. And, and there's yeah. well-meaning people who say really stupid things to you in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. It's a very uncomfortable. So we just went, we're, we're going to stop talking about it. Um, and so what it was after a little while, we were recording an interview with someone talking about family, and I can't remember the context of the conversation, but it was natural in this pre-recorded interview. We recorded on Friday, and it naturally came out our story of struggling to have kids. We had the whole weekend to go, we can scrap it. We can cancel it. It doesn't have to go to air. (laughs) And we were agonizing over it. And then we went, I feel like maybe there's somebody who needs to hear that. And so we let it go to air, not because we wanted it to, but because we thought, and this was the whole thing. It's not about us. It's about the people that we're engaging with. And and, um, the the lines lit up, social media lit up, and people connected with us who went, oh, my goodness, us too, us too, us too. And there was people who connected, but we're in, still in touch with. That was 10 years ago. Fast forward to today, you're doing the, the Luke and Susie radio show. Yeah. As a Christian, though, how do you shape a radio show that's accessible to everybody? Not everybody lives with faithfulness. A lot of people are unfaithful to their partner and are unfaithful to their friends and that they we, we don't always live with it, but we believe it's something to aspire to. And no matter whether you're Hindu or atheist or Muslim or we had people call the station and go, I'm not religious, but the best words ever. They go, I'm not religious, but something that you were talking about really connected with me. It wasn't because I followed the, the religion belief, but because you, you triggered something inside of me because of this, what we have in common. I remember Zig Ziglar is a great salesman, and he's, he's very famous for his, his coaching. He's, and so he did this exercise. That, All right, I want everyone to hold up two fingers. The vast majority of people in the room, no matter what city, what culture, what age, what sex, what whatever they were, held up the same fingers. Now, technically, you think about it, two fingers – we can hold up any two fingers. We can do a thumb and a finger. We can do the, the, the pointer in the middle or we can do the, the ring finger. and the, We can do whatever. But we tended to just hold up the same two fingers. And his point was we have more in common than we have things that divide us. And when we spend our time focusing on what we have in common, the common ground we have, then the connection is greater and we actually get to navigate this world in a much more beautiful way. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Tim. Hello, dear listener. Uh, You have made it to the end of the podcast, so you must have enjoyed this conversation and hopefully previous conversations in cross-check, so I want to leave a quick message to say, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you access this podcast. It helps people find this podcast and hear the stories as well. So please do that, please, and thank you. I'll talk to you next time when we have another great episode of Cross-Check. It's brilliant. I'm so keen to share it with you. Talk soon. Bye.